Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. Today on the program, I have a long-term listener, first-time caller, but he's not a real caller because he's actually sitting about five feet from me. Ladies and gentlemen, can I get some great walk-up music for the first time on Demand Gen Radio, Mr. Rob Bonham. All right, Rob, how are you? Thanks for having me, Dave. Uh, love what you've done with the studio. Oh, thank you so much. It, you know, uh, when I listen to the podcast, it seems smaller, but <laughs> by comparison, it's it's much larger. It's nice. It's a great huge. View. It's a great, huge studio. Yeah, great view. Great view, uh, now, and and a pretty easy commute for you. Just like a fifty foot walk down the hall. Not even. Well, listen. Let me tell you why I have Rob on the program today. We've talked about doing this, uh, starting off several episodes for a while now, and it was actually in New Orleans a few months ago when we were eating some amazing food, probably some of the best food I've ever had, uh, and duck wings, as I remember. We said, you know what? We really should do a series together. Um, you know, you said to me, like, as a guy who's so passionate about the alignment of sales and marketing. I'm your head of sales, Dave. You know, Rob is our vice president of sales. We said, why don't we talk about the dynamic of sales and marketing? And why don't we talk about, you know, what it's like to be in in Rob's shoes? Because if you've ever read my book, I talk about Denzel Washington and training day. And I said, you know, some of the best lessons I've learned in my career is getting out with sales and really understanding what it takes to be a salesperson. And that changes every year. I mean, with the amount of change that's happened in digital transformation, uh, the roles of sales changing. So thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. Let's start off with a little pat on the back for sales, because it is January, and we just finished uh, 2018. And um, you, Rob joined us about a year and a half ago, so about June of, of 2017. And at the time of this recording, it is January 2019. And he and his team crushed it last year. Uh, our bookings were up 100% year over year. Uh, we landed some of the largest accounts that we've we've ever landed uh, we've done the most volume of new logos that we've ever done. And if this sounds like some chess beating for Rob and I, what I want to do on the program and start is talk about how we got there. And because it, it didn't happen through any natural act. And it wasn't just sales. There was definitely major participation through alliances and marketing. So, um, you know, Rob, let me ask the first question to you, which is when you look back on the year of success that you had, is there one or two things that really stand out for you that you say, God, I got to replicate that in 2019 because that worked? Well, I, I, I do think that it was a, a process that started before I ever got here, um, particularly on the, uh, the marketing and, and operation side with our good friend Greg Carver and Tiffany Lewis. Um, uh, I think the addition of uh, our alliance partnership had a lot to do with it. The uh, uh, Anita Cavelli and and uh, what she accomplished in in 2019 or excuse me 2018 had a lot to do with it because it was a great uh, change for us in terms of lead source as well. But uh, you know I I do think that it's a team effort and um, you know the, I I look at our business and I I break it out kind of in three ways and you know a lot of people talk about people process and technology I I, I look at it um, similarly but I, I look at it as 
uh, foundational enhancement and, and augmentation. And so, you know, what exactly does that mean in terms of our success last year? So in terms of foundational aspect of our business, you know, we're in the MarTech business and we have a stack and we continue to evolve that, um, that stack as we went forward as it pertains to both sales tech and marketing technology. And, um, you know, it was a job that didn't stop during the year and we made some changes that I thought were good and it certainly helped us. So foundationally, you know, we continue to evolve and I think we made great strides in 2018. As far as enhancements go, I mentioned the Alliance uh, program. That was awesome and uh, contributed a lot, as well as, you know, kind of adding um, some ABM strategy, though we're not completely baked yet with that, but we continue to build on that one. And also, um, you know, what uh, we were able to do in terms of just starting to um, connect as as a team. So it's definitely, uh, you know, a, a factor of, uh, operations, marketing, alliances, and sales getting together. And then lastly, you know, I talked about augmentation, that's the people. And um, we continue to refine our recruiting process and how we brought new people in. Um, Greg, Tiffany, Anita, and I were locking arms all year long. We talk constantly about the business. And there's a lot of uh, transparency that we have here that uh, I think helps both the, op- uh, the organization understand what we do in sales, but also put sales out there in front and yeah. you, you, you definitely can't hide. My, my natural go-to is to want to jump in deep on the MarTech that we use, sales tech and processes. So I'm, I'm going to hold off and get to that because I do want to talk about the recruiting process first because you know you could have all the best technology and all the best processes in the world, but if you don't have great salespeople, you know, you're, you're, you're stuck and, and you were, have always been committed to building a world-class team that has also meant that you've been responsible for offboarding people on the team who aren't achieving um, their goals and, and a good fit. So let's talk about the changes that you and HR brought about from a recruiting perspective, because you guys started implementing new tools and new processes in the beginning of last year, uh, actually right when you got here. So um, I don't know the names of the platforms. I know one of them, which is Insights. And so we use the... An, uh, uh, Scott and his team uh, from Insights Discovery, if you guys want to look that up. We do these, it's like Meyer Briggs and it's personality profiles. And we do this actually for every single team member in the company. But when Rob got here, you know, he went through it and I showed him his profile. And what we have learned is there's really an ideal persona uh, for sales. And then the second thing that you brought in, which I'll let you talk about, which is an actual sales um, profiling tool. Why don't you talk about the tools, but also how you're using those in the hiring process at an individual level, but also when you're looking and have multiple candidates. Yeah, so the, uh, the, the insights was uh, interesting, and we did it a little differently after I got here because it used to be where we would uh, give it to the employee after hiring. Um, but when I came on board, what we did was we moved that up in the process. So we had the sales candidates taking it when we got to a point to where we thought we had finalists, just to see if they matched up with what we thought the right um, persona was for the uh, for the salesperson, and um, you know, without um, without exception, everyone that we hired fit a certain category uh, of candidate uh, for us, and um, you know, I think that those people that are successful here are those that not only fit that criteria, but um, not necessarily had background in selling services, 
um, has strong sales background, but solution selling and, uh, you know, becoming that trusted advisor to, to our clients and, and, and our prospects, because if you're transactional in any way in the business that we're in, uh, it doesn't work mm-hmm. um, because it's a much, uh, much longer sales cycle um, than, and then transactional. And you really have to build that rapport and trust with the customer. And so we're looking for that kind of individual. The tool certainly helped us get to that starting point. Uh, we've now t- uh, used, we use Greenhouse. Right, as, that's what it's called. Greenhouse uh, for our interviews. And it's given us um, consistency across how we interview people. And uh, it also gives us a platform that we can share interview notes quickly. And we're all asking the same questions in, in uh, the same uh, time frame. So. Yeah. So, so Greenhouse for everybody is a candidate uh, applicant tracking system, but it also enables all of us as interviewees. Are we the interviewer? We're the interviewer. We're the ers. The ers. Not the es. Okay. We're the interviewers. So it gives us where to put our questions that we're each asking and our scorings and our rating. And then you also use a tool that's specific to sales profiling, which you know has um, it lays out their level of. Um, well, it actually looks at, are they hunters or yeah. not? You know, and so it, our business, which differs from, from others that might be listening, um, our sales organization is solely in charge of bringing in new logos. So, you know, some would consider that's the hardest part of sales is finding that uh, prospect and getting them over the finish line. So you've got to have that in your, in your DNA. It's not something that we can train. Um, and, uh, you know, again, looking at those people that have been successful here, they definitely have that in their background, short of, short of going out and hiring people that were, um, hundred percent commissioned salespeople. Um, we've been, uh, you know, working through how we, how we identify those people and getting the right folks on board. Yeah. Well, testament to you and bringing about change, uh, which is an often topic that we talk about here on Demand Gen Radio in I general. I love change. You, do, you eat change for I, breakfast. I love change. You do. Although, um, and you do love change, although I would definitely like to talk to you now about a bit of the MarTech and process. Because when you got here and we started you know, onboarding you and say, hey, guess what? We do lead scoring here and we do what? lead management here. What? <laughs> And and you were like, yeah, sure, of course, read the book. Uh, I would I would expect nothing less. Except most companies don't practice sometimes what they preach, yeah. and we are you know religious uh, about it. And tell me about that. So like when Tiffany and her team, Sabrina and Marketing Operations, started training you, and then training the folks on your team on how to use scoring and on all the processes. Uh, let's face it, you know this firsthand that many of our clients and many of the companies out there. Struggle with CRM adoption, and you know we're really passionate about getting you to use a CRM. And that sometimes, you know, if we're not walking in your shoes, Rob, as a salesperson, I we closed a deal this morning, and I remember on one of the deals that we closed, it it had a field for who the campaign manager is, and we actually didn't know who the campaign manager is, and you almost couldn't close the opportunity because it was going to be missing a vital piece of information. And so sometimes. Technology can get in the way of efficiency, or sometimes technology creates efficiency. So, how have you felt as you've gone from the onboarding stage of getting all this process and tools put upon you to adopting them and seeing either the benefits or obstacles? Yeah, I, you know, the one thing I think that we're good at here is that we don't let process get in the way of progress. Okay, and um, we try to eliminate friction wherever possible, and and that goes to the use of. The, the CRM and some of the other tools, 
I spent a lot of time with, with Tiffany and her team going over what works and what doesn't work. Um, and, and so it, the reason I bring that up is I think is, is sales leads, um, you need to have that communication uh, channel going with, with the marketers or, or your uh, sales op admins about what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And, and on the marketing side, you know, I would suggest be open to hearing about that. Um, because let's, let's underscore that because things get set up and you suggested doing a spring cleaning, right? And you and the marketing operations team, exactly what we did, right? You went through the lead object, the contact object, the account object, the opportunity object, every single layout, every single field, and had really a, a data discussion around whether these are required yeah. or not. Yeah. And excruciating detail for a sales guy. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, so I, I think that uh, in terms of the tools and the technology, constantly be challenging yourselves as a team to use it as effectively as possible. Training up front is really important. Um, you're going to hire people that will have experience in the tools. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they have experience doing it the way you want to do it. Um, so you, you still need to take them through that. Um, I would constantly be asking questions of uh, the sales folks as well as the marketing team. Why are we doing this? Do you understand why we're doing this? How do you think this impacts us in the field? Um, and you know that gets back. We can have a whole session about sales and marketing alignment, and we probably should at some point. We'll definitely do that. You know what uh, what that means. But don't think that once you take the shrink wrap off of the uh, the software that it's good to go. You got to constantly work it. Of the, of the sales enablement tools that you have at your disposal, uh, what advice would you give to marketing operations and marketing teams when it comes to onboarding sales and them learning and discovering these tools and then kind of any ongoing training? Well, I, th I think they have to assume that they know nothing. Start with that. Start at ground zero and build from there. Like I said, most people have had some exposure. doesn't mean that it's the right exposure. So you're going to need to train them the way you want to train them. Um, and then continue to assess their ability to use the tools in the right way. Um, we happen to have an admin here that um, is not bashful to um, slap my wrist if I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do or my team isn't. Um, and that's great because we're constantly learning um, you know, what way to do it. And we've seen over time the mistakes go down. And we now know when we're training and onboarding folks we, we know where people get hung up because we've gotten hung up. And um, that's an area where we spend a lot of, lot of time about that. We, did, we actually had a session this morning with uh, two of our new account executives going over that very thing is, you know, how do you, how do you attribute um, a lead and uh, ultimately an opportunity to the right place? Yeah. One of the things that I like that you and Tiffany did, uh, which again, you guys are, are both agents of change, you are up for continual improvement is went through a more formal uh, onboarding planning process and really mapped out what's going to happen kind of like that that first 30 60 90 days or just yep. the priorities and not fire hosing a new sales rep day one or week one with everything but you guys really mapped out and said okay look this is all the different things that they need to learn everything from you know how to log in with the hr tools and then after that when does crm training take place and when does sales enablement tra uh, training 
uh, take place and not just um, fire hose them because what happens, right? They, they can't remember it. They all. glaze over. Yeah, yeah. The um, we we break it up into uh, the first thirty days is fundamentals, uh, the second thirty days is is systems, and the third thirty days, the sixty to ninety days, is how do we apply that? Um, you know, in actual uh, account discussions and out in the field. So, and I got to say that since we started that process. I've probably changed it a half a dozen times as we go forward and um, getting feedback from the people we're training, like, does this make sense? Um, are you understanding what we're, we're doing? And, uh, you know, fortunately, we hire people that are, aren't bashful about um, telling us what they think. And so, you know, it's a work in progress, but um, we're so much further than we were, you know, a year and a half ago. Yeah. Let's talk about the... Um pipeline versus, uh, let's call it lead management, right? So common challenge that we'll see our clients face is with their sales team is that when pipeline gets to be a certain breadth and depth, the sales team, there's like a gravitational pull, right? Because those are those are all the opportunities that if they close those opportunities, they're going to have a direct impact on their compensation. Uh, and now yet marketing is continuing to still send over a steady stream if they're doing their job of marketing qualified leads and opportunities. So what what do you recommend as you're you know looking at our own organization or to to um, people that are listening in? Like how do you, how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that? Hey, look, we're 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 generating demand for you, but yet at the same time you got to manage your pipeline. Well, I think in any of the sales leaders that are listening to this uh, have been in both situations where um, that uh, spigot gets turned off. And that's you know panic time. So um, fortunately, we don't have that situation here. Uh, Tiffany and her team do, do a great job, in uh, as does Anita and the Alliance folks uh, in bringing us plenty of leads. But um, I was you know it's a numbers game in sales. We know that that we have to have a certain amount dollar amount um, in our case in the pipeline in order to generate um, opportunities that we're going to close at a rate that we think is is needed to make our numbers. So the, the, all the salespeople have that ingrained in their on their desk, if not uh, on a piece of paper on their on their monitor. So they know that they need to have X amount of leads constantly in their pipeline because I'm always reiterating to them is, hey, that's a great sale you just made. Next morning, get back to work. Uh, because you're starting all over again, so yeah. they they don't want to hear me say that. They hear and they hear me say it, um, you know, too often sometimes in jest. But um, it's it's numbers, and it's it's very easy for salespeople, um, you know, like myself with a state school education, to uh, follow on with that. So that's what we that's what we do. And and if that if that slips because I'm not getting the lead flow, then I then that's a conversation that I'm going to have with marketing and, and alliances. And also the sales folks, because, you know, they're responsible for bringing in their own leads as well. So, um, you know, it's easy for me to track that way. And it's and it's easy for the organization to track that way as well. And now you and Tiffany have said uh, going into 2019, because we're seeing such a great steady stream of demand and, you know, a, a more high performance sales team that you guys are going to move to an SDR model yeah. and add that in. What yeah. what predicated that? What made that made sense? Because I, I would imagine a lot of a lot of our listeners um, have that model, but I think for those that don't, it's probably worth discussing. You know what the trigger point was to say we sh we should add this, as well as if you could share 
you know, what was the decision around where that role, those roles are going to be in sales versus versus marketing? Well, you know, the, I guess the trigger point was we, as we grow as an organization, we got to f- continue to feed the beast, right? So, sales is part science and it's part art or theater, depending on how you look at it. Um, and the science of sales continues to evolve, and the use of an SDR and the tools that are available to an SDR. Um, I think utilized correctly can enhance what um, a sales organization can do. Um, you know, and, and when you have only a certain number of people out there selling, the last thing you need them to do is be, be chasing down leads that maybe are going to take longer uh, you know, to, to get to a point to where they're actually in inquiry and somebody raises their hand and you can start to sell. So it made sense to us here to bring in an SDR to, to handle that functionality in the sales process. Um, why marketing versus sales? I, I think that um, you know, time will tell whether that's the right move. I've, I've heard arguments, uh, John Burroughs, who, who was on the program a while ago, who I think is awesome, you know, he, he says it should be in sales. You know, here we think it should be in marketing. And I, th- I think the decision was made to put it in marketing because the scripts, the messaging, um, how we're handling it at that early stage is closer to what we do here in marketing than it does what we do um, as a sales function. So he's saying for our business, it seemed more appropriate to be in marketing than, than in sales? Is that, that one? Th- yeah, that, that was the conclusion we came to and the reason why we did it that way. And would you be willing to be candid and say, how did you actually feel about it? You know, because this is where you know who I'm thinking of. There's a few companies right now that are going the decision of of doing this, and there's a little war that is waged. It's like a power struggle, like especially when it means they're going to be giving up sales budget and sales resources to fund an SDR team. So, I mean, we're we're a much smaller organization. Wait wait a minute, you you never said anything (laughs) about losing. Forgot to tell you. Okay, no. Right. What, what did you, really, um, what did you think about it? How did you feel about it? Well, you know, we don't have, fortunately here, we, we work really well together. And so it's not a matter of a turf war with us. It's a matter of what's right for the business. And ultimately, what I care about and I think what my, my boss cares about is uh, getting the revenue number hit, um, you know, booking the, uh, the number of new logos we need to, to book. So if, if that frees my staff up to go and close deals, then so be it. Uh, and if it's better suited in, in marketing and the end result is the same, I quite honestly, that's a, that's a battle that I don't care to, to fight. There's other battles that I, you know, going and closing big deals and in new customers and all that, that's tough enough. Yeah. So, and it wasn't, it wasn't, okay, this is yours. Let me know how it goes. You guys worked very collaboratively yeah. on yeah. collaboratively on it. You all even down to the compensation structure, like you know, to make sure that they're where they're incentivized aligns where you think they should be incentivized, so that you know um, it's uh, it's one team. Yeah, it drives the right behavior. Um, again, we're going to do a whole bunch of episodes, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go off on a little tangent off script, uh, and I want to hit a topic that Sangram Vajre, uh, Sangram, who we know very well, good friend of the firm, also does a podcast, and he and I collaborate. On a lot of content. I almost think like we're like Jimmy Fallon and Justin Timberlake, but we're nowhere near as funny or talented. But well, I have mad respect for the man. However, he said something online the other day. I have very mixed feelings about it, and I'm going to circle back with him when I see him. 
it was a small video that he put up of him on stage, and it's on LinkedIn. And underneath that, he said, um, basically said that the value of marketing is determined by hashtag sales. Let me say it again. The value of marketing is determined by sales. Now, the question is, does he mean by revenue, like the revenue that they generate, or by the sales department? Now, based on the 200 plus comments and his responses to those, it had a lot to do with sales being the customer of marketing. And I completely disagree with that mindset. But I'm going to give a couple caveats. Number one is, I disagree with the mindset because I think the customer of marketing and the customer of every department is the customer. Yeah. But if he's talking about treating each other like clients and serving each other well, I'm okay. But, you know, um, sales I don't is... Think, I don't think that's exactly where he was going with I that. I don't think so. Um, no, it's, you know, whether it's marketing, alliance, uh, sales, operations, our customer is the customer, okay? And we have to all be, um, again, I, like I said before, you know, locking arms and addressing that need of whatever the customer uh, needs out there. Um, working together, um, I think, is, is super important. Um, we, you, you know, I'm, I've mentioned those four groups. We're only going to be as strong as the weakest link of those groups. Fortunately, here we've got some really strong linkage. Um, so, uh, you know, to think that, uh, you know, marketing serves me or I serve operations is, is to me not the right way to look at it Agreed. because, um, it's a team. Um, I played a lot of sports and coached and did a lot of things like that. And, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta know that the, the whole is more important than the, than the parts. So, well said. um, you know, that's, that's the approach I think. I'm going to clarify him and have, have a discussion. You know, he, he prefaced it with, you know, some of you will hate me for this, for saying this, but it's the brutal truth and that type of stuff. And I'm just not on board with marketing being sales is I mean, that's not the right mindset to have. We are one team, which Sangram will say we're one team. But if marketing is under the expectation that I have to serve you, um, no. I don't, I don't get no. it. But it is one team, I and mean, we have responsibilities to generate demand. We have responsibilities in marketing to create content and tools uh, for sales to be successful. So that's why, you know, if it's a client relationship, which is like, hey, be dependable, be caring, be collaborative, be all the things that you would want to do for a client. But let's not set that expectation in the market. I think that I think it takes away from the one team mentality that that he so much wants to promote, uh, which I like that he does that. But let's let's not let's not any longer in this day and age of digital transformation say that one department serves another. Yeah, no, I, I'm in complete agreement to that. You know, and I think it, it, maybe it's another episode that we do here, but, um, you know, I want to get into sales and marketing alignment and walking in the shoes, not only marketing walking in the shoes of sales, because that sounds kind of like they're subservient to to the sales organization. I'm not, I don't mean that at all. Not at all. I know you don't mean it that way. Um, you know, I, you, you look back, you, you and I have coached in, in just using the soccer analogy, when, when the little kids are learning how to play a sport, you have them play goalie, you have them play sweeper, you have them play midi, you have them play different positions because they're learning the game. Um, it's not too much different in the marketing sales relationship and how does how does what um, you're doing here in marketing and you know, you know, Dave, I, I always make a point. I walk back to the marketing department. I'm always talking to those guys. 
giving them a pat on the back they they, do. because they're part of my team. And yeah. if they're successful, I'm successful. And I think that's the view you need to have. But back to the, the, the sports analogy and the coaching analogy, I think every marketer out there that's listening, if you're not spending you know, a half a day every couple months with an SDR on the phone, or if you have a field sale, sales organization, you're not going to a client um, or going to a, you know, into a marketplace and visiting two or three clients and hearing not just what the client's saying, but hearing what sales is saying and, and repeating uh, the messaging that you've worked so hard to, to develop. So yeah. um, I just think it, it helps us level set. It helps us understand more about the, the, the company as, the whole, as a whole and the mechanisms we go to to deliver the services that we deliver. It creates a lot of empathy. I mean, coming back to the sporting analogy, I remember when you coached lacrosse and I coached soccer. And I remember, um, I, I started doing this probably after my fourth or fifth year coaching. We would have parent-daughter day. And so I, I coached girls soccer for, I think, almost 16 years. Started with my neighbor's kids and then did my own girls. And you know the drill, right? Everybody's on the sidelines and the parents are screaming, run, 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 run. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have them experience what the girls do. First of all, they can't even hear you. Um, so we did we did parent-daughter day. And so the parents, dads and, and moms, would go out and play. And of course, I would put them in the forward positions because that's the ones they were most critical of, right, is of scoring, shooting, and running. And within a minute, they were exhausted from running up and down the field. It's like, yeah, you're going to think a little bit different now when you're telling your, you know, hustle, run, go get the ball, when you know, like, they are so exhausted, especially earlier in the beginning of the season. So I think that's, you know, great example of, like, walk in their shoes, run in their shoes, right. so you really know how hard the job is. I'll give you another example outside of soccer. I remember recently, um, you know, marketing can create proposals and brochures and make them look phenomenal and try to explain everything. A member on our proposals uh, which said, hey, if you have 12-month pricing, it's this tier and this discount. And if it's six-month, it's this. And what was the feedback that we had to give them, which is, if you tell a prospect this is what you could pay if you signed up for longer, they want that price even if they sign up for a shorter period because they know you're willing to discount. And, and so it's that example of like, unless you're actually sending proposals and hearing the real-time feedback on the phone, like, well, I really can't sign up for that long, but I really want that price and I'm going to sign for it, right? How do you know that unless you're actually doing the job and doing the role? Yep. Yeah. So, you know, I, again, I can't emphasize enough. If you're a marketer, get with your salespeople, whether it's an SDR, BDR, field sales, your VP of sales, go on some, um, some customer calls and, and hear what they have to say. Um, and, and by that, I don't suggest standing on the, sh uh, a show floor at a trade show and talking to a customer, that's not, that's not selling. No. Um, so, you know, get in their place of business or on the phone with them and, and uh, hear what it is that sales folks do. Cool. Um, bunch of topics that I want us to come back to, uh, and I know that you are committed to it. I would really like to talk about ABM uh, in terms of our own approach internally to ABM. Let's share some of the secret recipes and talk about um, the success we've had there and the challenges that we've had because uh, you know talk about lead management being a important sales and marketing alignment that's at a whole new level uh from yeah. abm yep. and we touched on some of the alignment uh, stuff today like where the sdr team is and what the sdr process is and compensation uh and roles i would love to talk about uh, even deeper on crm 
because I think there is tremendous value when CRM is used effectively. And I also like to kind of have you come back and talk about sales enablement technologies, what works, what doesn't, and how you properly roll out these tools and get consistent adoption because change is hard. And if you if you're not used to being a seller that's on LinkedIn actively or you're not used to doing a lot of um, social outreach, these are skills and approaches. We even rolled out video this year, right? And some of the reps were like, I'm on this. I'm going to start making videos and, and using that in communication. Others, not not so much. Yeah. And don't be a tree hugger. <laughs> yes. Don't, don't, get, don't get tied to any one particular uh, way of doing things because this is a dynamic business. It's always changing. So, you know, the next time this is going to be a live remote and we're going to take calls, right? Wait, you have a lot to take calls. Okay. Actually, actually uh, we've got an email that you guys can send in questions and topics for us. We'll give you a shout out. So I think it's radio at demandgen.com. Uh, you can also reach out to Rob and I on LinkedIn. We would love to hear either your questions or topics, and we will cover them on the program. Rob and I are going to do this on a regular basis. We're going to share stories from our own uh, trench warfare, but we're also going to talk about, and, and maybe not by name, what some of our clients are doing and how they're succeeding and how some of the challenges they have. So it's, you know, it. I don't know why it took some great Creole and, and stuff in New Orleans for us to say, why aren't we doing a program? No, I have a boss that is very demanding that I get my job done. So that that was it. So. Yeah, I'm very demanding. This is a guy who on January 2nd, January 2nd said to his team, congratulations, we're 100 and I don't know, five or 6% of, of our goal for the year. Bookings are up 100% year over year. But that was last year. What have you done for me lately? Yeah, you yeah, wrote that. I did write that. Yeah. Yeah. It's on to the next. Welcome to working in sales. <laughs> Jesus, the scoreboard was cleared and the new game began. That's right. Zeros on the scoreboard. Well, uh, Rob, I've I've said this to you numerous times. I love working with you. Uh, you're you're one of those guys. No wonder you are successful in your career because you're a great leader. Um, you're very endearing and you're just incredibly genuine. Skills that you, you know, from someone who you want to buy from and you want to work for and work hard for. So I'm very glad we found each other. I, I am as well. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining me on the program. To all of you, take. Take that action item. If you guys would drop us a note with a question or topic, Rob and I would love to share with you guys just either how we do it here at Demand Gen or answer the the topics that you guys would like to uh, for us. Um, both Rob and I, it's not our first rodeo. We've been doing this for a long time. Uh, we've had some great successes uh, out in our careers together. We've also learned the hard way of what to do, uh, what not to do. So love to hear from you guys. Rob, thanks again. Congratulations on an amazing year. Uh, I can't help but feel like, well, when you have a year like that, how are you going to do it again? But you guys will. I have no doubt. We'll figure it out. All right. Uh, I got some, I had some good walk-up music for you. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. I don't I don't have a closing track for you, but... We'll, we'll come up with something. We'll, we'll need yeah. a theme song every time we do yeah, an episode. Absolutely. absolutely. All right, everyone. That's going to do it for this episode of Demand Gen Radio. We'll catch you on the next one. Take care. You've been listening to Demand Gen Radio, bringing you the top industry experts, thought leaders, authors, marketing technology firms, and senior marketing leaders from around the world to teach you the methods and technologies for high-performance marketing.